Welcome to episode 93 of Goodwill Hunters from the Development Policy Centre. I'm your host, Rachel Mason Nunn. Today's episode is the second in a two-part series on the World Bank, where we speak to the experts leading the bank's work in the region. In this episode, I speak to Shivnesh Prasad, Digital Development Specialist with the World Bank in Fiji. Shivnesh has over 15 years of experience in the public sector in Fiji, including as the Director of Communications at the Fijian Ministry of Communications, as well as Chairman of the Telecommunications Authority of Fiji. He has overseen various important initiatives for government, including the rollout of 4G and now 5G, the installation of submarine cables and more. So, why is digital development so important to Fiji? Is a true digital revolution occurring? And how will technology change the way Fijians live and work? We discuss all this and the implications for development in this episode. We've included links in the show notes to the Dev Policy blog. Enjoy the episode. Shivnesh, thanks for speaking with me. We're going to jump in with a big question. What impacts does digital connectivity have on media freedoms and really the freedom of speech more broadly in Fiji? Thank you, Rachel. Um, Yes, in terms of digital connectivity's impact on media freedom, um, I think gone are the days when the people in the Pacific relied on print media and broadcast uh, media to get access to, to news Uh, to exchange views. Digital connectivity has, in fact, enhanced people's access to information and news. Um, There's no longer limitations of geographical boundaries, um, especially in in the context of the emergence of the social media. People are more informed, they're able to share opinions, they voice their concerns over important national and regional matters. And the audience actually becomes part of the storytelling. Yeah, uh, The dissemination of the information over the digital platform is way quicker. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's just allowed, uh, allowed people to participate, really, um, in, 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 in a freer media, so to speak. In terms of um, lines between the virtual world and, and the online world, uh, sorry, virtual world and the um, real world, uh, the lines are becoming more and more blurry. Uh, Contents are not regulated online, as you know, in most cases, and verifying legitimacy can be a concern. People need to realize that while social media is a great platform, the online platform is a great platform to share views and have debates on important issues. Um, they They need to make sure that the freedom of speech does not get abused and the information they share does not impeach on the rights of others. Uh, that said, uh, where, where I said that you know the uh, lines between the virtual and the real world is getting quite blurry, all laws and legislations and rules and society norms that you'd follow in a uh, real world, um, you need to be you need to be aware of those in a virtual world as well, and you need to you know play by the rules. You said there that verifying legitimacy is difficult, and it is. But media outlets are generally legitimate, and that is verifiable. So is the rise in digital connectivity in Fiji allowing media outlets to speak more freely on subjects that have in the past been difficult to speak about? Well, the um, online media sort of platform, um, social platform for the, um, for the um, traditional media houses in Fiji is, is basically another avenue by which they reach out to people. Um, um, the benefits of this is they are able to make sort of timely updates. They are able to talk about you know things as they are in in process and break breaking news really uh, give more information on um, uh, things as they evolve. 
Uh, in terms of legitimacy, yes, uh, I think uh, the traditional news sources are still pretty much, um, they're, they're still quite credible in that sense. The problem, however, however arises when, when people actually, you know, start referencing um, sort of fake news pages that look legitimate, uh, and that can be a concern, not, not just in Fiji, but really for the region as well. There's a number of sort of say, fake websites or fake uh, social media accounts that have sort of popped up over, over time. And they're constantly being referenced by people in the, and they share this with, with other people. And, uh, you know, it's not difficult um, to create this, this uh, sort of online presence. So, yeah, it is, it is an opportunity for the uh, media organizations to, you know, better reach uh, their listeners and, and readers. Uh, but at the same time, I think the readers, the, they, um, the listeners and the wider audience have to be more um, responsible in, in verifying the legitimacy, uh, as, as I said earlier. Let's go big picture now. Why is digital development so important to Fiji? Digital development is really, um, it describes the use and the application of technology and the digital tools for accelerating socioeconomic development, connecting citizens to services and opportunities. Digital innovation is transferring almost every sector of the economy by introducing um, new business models, new products, new services, and ultimately uh, new ways of creating value and jobs. Technology is having such a profound impact on the way governments operate and interact with their citizens, opening doors to increase transparency and more efficient uh, service delivery. This ongoing wave of innovation um, has the potential to remove many of the barriers eh, um, that exist, in the, not, not just in the Pacific, really, it's really all over the world, but most so in the Pacific, which is sort of in the process now of digitizing their, their services, uh, especially um, uh, government to citizen services. Um, on the specific question of why it is important, um, there are various reasons, but I'll probably touch on four of them. First one would be the ease of uh, service access for Fijians, right? Digital platforms um, make available to the end user, the citizens, a variety of essential services in the comfort of their own home and at their fingertips. In the Fijian context, the ability to register the birth of a child online, the ability to register your business, which previously took you know, multiple physical visits and a number of forms that needed to be filled and handed in, that have basically you know, cut, been, been cut down to zero physical visits and it's all done virtual now. Uh, this, these improvements uh, in turn around, uh, these, improve, these results in improvements of turnaround times by up to 50%, um, and, and in most cases uh, up to 90% um, in, uh, with respect to you know, how quickly citizens are able to access services and, and you know, get to doing what it is that they want to do. Um, Fijians no longer have to travel uh, to the capital, for example, and Travel in Fiji and much of the Pacific, as you would know from the um, outer centers, uh, from the rurals, is quite expensive. So it, it does you know, have an impact, um, makes the availability of services uh, much more better for Fijians. In terms of the second sort of advantage is the reduction of costs for the governments, um, the businesses and the ordinary Fijians. Um, from a government perspective, not maintaining multiple field offices throughout the island is no longer a limitation. Um, this could represent a considerable relief on an otherwise stretched government budget. For the citizens, the end users, there's considerably cost savings associated with transportation, as I mentioned earlier. Also, the ease of accessing um, information uh, from the comforts of your own home. 
Um, in terms of the businesses itself, uh, they can concentrate on the core activities more and not be bogged down with bureaucratic red tapes and manual processes. Um, the third advantage um, is the reduction of bureaucracy. Having predefined systems and processes, um, streamlining activities and reducing the burden and waiting times, and to have tracking systems in place to ensure quality assurance and that prescribed timelines are followed. Um, all this really help increase the turnaround time um, and, and ensure that the uh, you know um, stakeholders um, get to doing what it is that they want to do in the first place. You know, uh, productivity. Um, businesses can go on and, and and engage. In terms of the fourth point, I'd like to touch upon, um, and this might sound a bit. Um, um, different coming from the context of, of the Fijian sort of perspective is the natural, natural progression of the user demand. Now, Fijians have had access to world-class um, 3G and 4G services for a number of years and seeing how digital platforms have been used across the world um, in overseas um, countries in delivering services to users, it is almost seen as a natural progression that the citizens of Fiji and Similarly, um, the rest of the Pacific would demand that they are able to access the same services uh, at the in the comfort of their own homes and with, with, with such ease. So this is really, um, as I said, a natural progression. It is a natural progression, but the affordability of the internet is a really important consideration here. How affordable is it to access the internet in urban parts of Fiji and also in, in rural areas? How feasible is it to have internet access? In terms of um, affordability in Fiji uh, particularly, um, Fiji has traditionally been one of the uh, uh, places in the region that has had access to ICT services at uh, you know very affordable rates. At the moment, I think it's about 2% of the uh, gross national income. Uh, so the services are quite affordable. Um, however, I think um, the challenge is really in terms of accessibility. Um, while Fiji has an extensive uh, network coverage throughout 85% of the country, uh, there's a fair bit of, uh, you know, uh, uh, pockets of spaces in the interiors, the rurals where, you know, accessing uh, quality broadband service is still uh, a challenge. Um, for those areas, uh, because, you know, the um, telecommunication companies are limited um, limited in the manner in which they expand to these areas because, you know, it could be low user demand, might not be uh, commercially feasible for them to invest so much because the cost associated with maintaining a rural or maritime network is often higher. The overheads are actually higher um, and, and you don't tend to uh, you know, make as much returns. So for, for these uh, sites, um, um, there's been considerable um, sort of improvements in rural and maritime coverage over the years. Um, especially um, through um, investing in uh, you know, microwave link networks to the island, the use of uh, sort of satellite, um, satellite backhaul services as well. So there has been some uh, improvements made. Um, related to this, uh, there's been a government uh, effort to enhance community access as well. And the way this has been done in, in some centers is uh, government actually um, helps set up a community telecenter uh, which are often established in, uh, in, for example, uh, public spaces such as schools. So during the day, you know, it's, the building's being used for school purposes. And in the evening, the community converge at these centers and use this to you know, access the internet, um, 
online online media um, and and basically even uh, you know um, talk with their families abroad so um, that this is how the industry sort of responded uh, to the challenge of um, connecting the people in the rurals um, it's it's more or less uh, promoting short shared services as well through the use of community uh, access sites um, that said uh, there's there's uh, continuous developments on the in the technology sector and um, with with further improvement uh, at the moment uh, some of the telecommunications networks uh, providers in Fiji are going through network upgrades as well um, and this is something that uh, you know they're factoring in um, the idea is really to have maximum um, coverage available um, made made uh, um, this um, maximum coverage um, to, to Fijians irrespective of uh, where they are do you think those improvements, like the network upgrades and just generally improving connectivity, is that helping Fiji to overcome the challenges of being so remote or, you know, the perils of isolation? It is. Uh, actually, um, it is. Uh, I mean, Fiji is, while it is an island, it is not uh, exempt from no globalization. It, it has to um, it has to be able to communicate with the rest of the world. Um, and it is indeed helping. I think in a post-COVID world, uh, precisely, it's actually more apparent. Um, the fact that, you know, our borders are closed at the moment and, you know, things with respect to trade, uh, with respect to communications, they're still going on. Um, students that are still getting education from, for example, online university resources, uh, industries are able to still source their materials through using you know, online uh, online markets, so it is it is helping it is helping sort of bridge bridge the gap and um, connect Fiji uh, to the rest of the world. It's 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 essentially very important, and I think uh, um, it's it's the infrastructure in Fiji currently allows us to do that because you know Fiji has the uh, southern crossing the cable that that connects us to the rest of the world, and um, I think that has been quite instrumental um, in, in um, ensuring uh, access to uh, quality broadband services. And of course, Fiji is now preparing for the rollout of 5G. What will 5G mean for the country? Well, actually, um, in the context of 5G, um, it's an interesting question. Like, one would actually ask first, you know, what are the types of services that uh, one expects out of 5G that the current 4G, 3G networks are not um, not delivering. Now, some of the um, technologies, for example, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, which are predominantly based or heavy users of 5G technology, is not something that's readily in demand in Fiji at the moment. That said, the network in Fiji uh, that, is, that has been established by the telecom providers um, have are deemed to be 5G ready. So if the market determines, uh, market demands that there's a need for 5G, then the industry sort of responds to that and is able to start offering it. Um, that said, um, um, it, is, it is quite likely um, going forward that uh, you know, in terms of 5G, 5G would probably be used to connect um, you know, the metropolitan areas, the urban areas, the heavy usage uh, heavy demand areas, but uh, 4G will still be relevant for a very long time uh, for the rest of the country and, and for the, um, you know, uh, the peri-urban and rural connectivity options. Now, in terms of preparedness, um, I did say previously that um, our telecommunication companies are, have invested in what they, what they term as 5G ready networks. 
um, you know, on, on the technical aspects. Um, the licensing regime uh, in Fiji is, is, is an open uh, licensing based regime, right? So the spectrum, for example, has been awarded on a um, agnostic base. So it is, um, it is not difficult for companies, for example, if they want to, want to invest in 5G technology, they are able to refarm the, the spectrum that they already have um, and, and reuse that for 5G purposes. In my view, I think we're still a fair bit off from having 5G services available here. But uh, I mean, in terms of the, um, the uh, industry appetite, I think it's, it's something that will evolve in, in probably years to come. You asked the question at the start there, what would 5G do that 4G or 3G haven't done? And I think that begs the question more broadly, what does improved access to digital connectivity mean to Fijians? How does it change the opportunities available to them? In terms of, uh, again, going back to um, what it is that 5G offers Fijians, what 4G cannot, um, I think most of the things, for example, smart cities, uh, artificial intelligence and Internet of Things, um, these aren't predominantly in use at the moment uh, in, in, in the Fiji context, right? Uh, but having access to better bandwidth uh, means that you know, Fiji uh, can leverage on the infrastructure it has, the, the, um, the facilities it has, and, and provide um, you know, value-added services, uh, more, probably invest more in uh, BPO-type operations. They will be able to engage in real-time um, Sort of video conferencing facilities, which has implications for sectors like education, uh, for sectors like health, uh, where we, Fijians could benefit uh, from interacting with uh, resources which aren't, for example, located within the country, but they could be you know, talking or interacting with experts based out of the US, the Euro, uh, Europe, Asia, whoever. So um, they would not be limited uh, in in that in that context. So. There, there are, there are opportunities that five G would bring to them, but but um, I think it sort of remains to be seen yeah, where this would be quite real. Okay, let's move on to the government now. So the Fijian government has plans to be the Pacific's first digital government, but of course, capacity constraints and a reliance on external support can be an impediment to that. So, what progress has? been made towards um, that digital revolution, towards becoming a digital government? In terms of progress, um, the uh, Fijian government's digital transformation program, there's a number of apps that have been de uh, developed and made available to the citizens. citizens. So as, as, a, as an industry observer, um, I think last year, government has started digitizing the registration of, um, you know, births of child online. So Previously, uh, after, after the birth of a child, the parents would need to go down to the registry office with you know, hard copy documents and, and stand in line and, and register the birth of a child. Now this is actually being done um, through a phone app, um, which could be done from the hospital itself. Um, there's a number of uh, conveniences sort of built in where even to come in and uh, pick up your birth certific certificates uh, or any uh, documentation that you require, uh, you can actually use e-lanes and, and make uh, appointments, do bulk of the work, preparatory work online, uh, which means that you, know, you spend less time actually at the registry when, when you come in and it just makes the process so much easier. In terms of the company's office, um, the search for um, 
business records, uh, entity records and purchase of entity information, uh, digital registration of businesses itself and reservation of company names are now all automated. So these were all manual processes that previously you, need, you needed to you know, spend considerable time and effort on. Um, there's been um, a, um, um, an initiative where the entire government directory uh, containing lists and uh, contact details of key government personnel across all government departments that has been digitized and put online um, that has improved uh, the um, citizens' ability to, to communicate uh, with, 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 the, uh, with the civil servants. Uh, on that note, uh, government had also uh, launched uh, online through the Digital Fiji Initiative, um, a My Feedback tool, which is a single gateway really to communicate, provide feedback, and even raise issues with the aim to improve government services. It's managed by a dedicated team from a feedback unit and all feedbacks received uh, are directed to relevant ministries and agencies uh, for quick responses and resolutions. More importantly, it is, it is tracked. So uh, the citizen will have fulfilled visibility of you know, where he or she is at uh, with the request. Um, further to that, uh, there's also a um, initiative by the government, uh, which is under the Digital Fiji uh, Wi-Fi initiative. Uh, that uh, provides free Wi-Fi internet access to citizens across 16 locations in the country uh, for an hour every day. This has been done uh, in line with government's vision of creating a knowledge-based society um, and provides safe public spaces through which people can access uh, free internet. As we've said, Fiji is quite dependent on external support in this area. What role are donors playing in the digital connectivity agenda? I think the role of the donors are quite, uh, is, is very important actually, um, because uh, for a couple of reasons. One is uh, the technical assistance that the uh, donors provide. That's very useful in, in providing uh, immediate expertise that's needed in the respective subject areas, right? But more importantly, it's, it's, it's the capacity building that uh, you know the technical assistance actually lead to within the within the uh, um, respective uh, programs that uh, that is currently being being rolled out. Um, the donor agency's involvement is is quite important. Um, also, in terms of ensuring that whatever solutions are being implemented are sustainable. So while it's quite easy to um, you know, just come in, roll out, um, for example, a program that enhances connectivity to, let's say, schools or health centers. Um, it's the responsibility of the um, donors to make sure that whatever technology is being used, whatever is being implemented, is based on sustainable uh, practices. And the government uh, is able to carry this on later once the donors sort of you know, move off from the scene. So it becomes self-sustaining. Um, so I think those are some ways in which um, I think the responsibility of the donor agencies is, is, is further sort of amplified. I suppose I'm wondering what Australia and other international donors can do to support and bolster these efforts in Fiji. Hmm. So uh, one of the ways I think uh, this, this can be further done is uh, there could be better coordination between the donor agencies to ensure there is no repetition in the types of uh, assistance that's put out. Uh, more importantly, I think it's it's also important um, that uh, 
irrespective of the sector in which the assistance is being implemented. Now, there's hardly a sector that does not benefit from, for example, um, digital innovations. So even if you're like, for example, doing a, um, you know, a new roads uh, sort of construction, there's no reason why you cannot have a digital component which says, okay, let's let's put in um, put in fiber uh, optic fiber optic while we while we're doing the roads. Um, it's um, it's very it's a very effective use of donor funds as the sort of incremental cost then associated with the rolling out fiber uh, during the uh, cause of capital works undertaken for a um, um, road uh, uh, road works is is. is it's a very efficient way of doing things. So I think to go back to your question, I think um, donors that are working with government, uh, it's very important that they see how best they can incorporate digital solutions in, into the programs, irrespective of which sector. It could be an education sector program, could be health related, could be anything. But um, there's always a way in which you can innovate and incorporate um, digital innovation. So you were a part of the World Bank's Future Pacifica Digital Connectivity event in Suva last year, where you really discussed the digital connectivity trends that we're seeing across the Pacific. Can you comment on that? And what, what can we expect to see in the Pacific as a whole? The future of the Pacific will be one where the people will be digitally connected and enabled. More investments in shared infrastructure and connecting the unconnected. Um, there has been massive investments made across the Pacific where deployment of submarine fiber um, to countries have been prioritized. And the World Bank and the ADB have been involved in a number of, this, a number of uh, such initiatives. The high costs of satellite connectivity for primary purposes uh, present an economic challenge uh, for the countries and places a limit on the transmission of large data volumes. Uh, that could be transmitted. Therefore, submarine cable systems provide a huge opportunity for not only enhancing communications, but also to increase the economic prospects of the countries to providing further opportunities for local entrepreneurs, for businesses. There has been and continues to be significant investments uh, on improving the local access networks. And this sort of ties in with the improvements the telcos are making in their um, respective uh, uh, telco networks as well, the, um, that allows access to people. Um, governments across the regions all continue to prioritize universal service and reach the unconnected to ensure that you know, everyone has access to connectivity. Um, I see the future of the Pacific as one where making services available through the Pacific, uh, through the digital platforms and apps uh, would be more uh, widespread. Um, the government, through the use of digital platforms, is able to offer enhanced services to its citizens and improve compliance, for example, to improve even revenue collections through the use of an online tax portal. For the citizens, the ability to access services with ease means that less time is spent on bureaucratic red tapes and more time is spent on being productive. The availability of services on a digital platform also means that the services are accessible to those that are far from urban towns and cities, and as well as making accessibility easier for the socially disadvantaged and those with special needs. Um, in terms of expanding the boundaries for entrepreneurship, businesses are able to expand the markets and are no longer limited by geographical limits. Uh, in terms of the education sector, um, I see students that no longer need to be limited by 
the types of education that are being offered at universities in their local campuses, but they are increasingly being able to sign on to distant education programs and, and even attend you know, leading universities from across the world. In terms of the regional integration and retention of cultural identity, I see people from the, uh, across the region uh, from the Pacific will integrate further through the power of social media. The use of technology can also be considered a boon for the communities in which the Pacific, um, you know, there are limited number of, uh, for example, language speakers. And uh, the community will no longer now be limited to passing down of culturally important information orally, uh, but through the use of the internet, we'll be able to create repositories that will not only preserve, but perhaps even enhance people's understanding of their culture and language. Um, I think this is fairly true for the uh, diaspora um, that spread across uh, across the world. Um, I see the line between the virtual and the real world becoming more blurry. Um, while there are threats, obviously, uh, cyberspace will be an opportunity and a great equalizer. Governments will continue to prioritize the protection of its people and most importantly, its youth uh, who are often the most vulnerable. Um, especially in newly connected societies, um, there would be continued emphasis in educating the people on online safety. Schools, for example, would consider including basic course in online safety and the use of social media into their curriculum. Once these threats are managed and negated, this cyberspace will become the great equalizer for the people of the Pacific and the medium through which people will enhance the interaction and keep connected with loved ones, further their education, grow their trade and access economic opportunities. If I were to sum the whole sort of response, I would say the future of the Pacific is one where technology will be the key and will be the prime enabler for all key sectors of the economy, as well as dominating the influence. It will be the dominating influence in people's life, lives. That's all, that's really nice to hear, but that is a very optimistic outlook. Really? I, I think it is. I mean, are we, are we being practical here? Is it really rational to think that technology will be the great equaliser for the Pacific? I think it is. I mean, like, um, I grew up in a rural Fiji setting, which, forget about telecommunications, they didn't have electricity and running water, right? So for, for me, it has definitely transformed we're not transformed, you know, all opportunities that I've come across. And I see the Fijians, and not just Fijians, but really across the Pacific, I see people as being very tech-savvy and very demanding, demanding of, you know, what technology it is that I can access and I can actually start to use. Um, and, of course, yeah, there are, there are issues associated with, uh, with the use of, um, you know, online resources and cyber security and whatnot, but... On a balance, it is it it would be a great great equalizer. Now, some some people claim, and I've heard a lot of people actually make this argument, saying that ICT actually would deepen the digital divide because they have those that have it continue to sort of progress, but then those do not. Um, they they continue to get left behind. Now, in terms of that, I think my my personal view on that has always been: you're not reinventing the wheel. Yeah, um, by people would. Would have the those that have been left behind are able to leapfrog. They are able to bypass the learnings that's required, the lessons that have that you know um, societies, for example, have gone through years to actually learn and, and and correct. 
they're able to learn, have the benefit of experience of their experience, and really, you know, adapt it into their own lives and and use that as as a springboard. Um, so for me, I, I mean, I'm glad you think that as optimistic. I've I've had some people actually say other other things. Um, some would say it's you know. Um, uh, it's it's too naive, uh, but then there are others that have actually agreed with what I've said as well. So, I guess only time will tell us, uh, you know, how how we sort of which which way the uh, cookie crumbles on that one. I think the point that we finish on then is the interaction of COVID nineteen and digital connectivity. And I'm wondering, has COVID-19 really reinforced the need for stronger digital connectivity, particularly around telehealth and e-commerce and, and other areas that really rely on access to technology? So at the moment, uh, to give you a bit of a context, the Ministry of Health in Fiji is working with the World Bank uh, on an emergency uh, COVID-related project. Now, one of the components within the project is um, the bank helping the ministry improve connectivity to a number of their rural and maritime um, sites. Um, and, and this then gives the ability to the uh, health centers to communicate back to the uh, headquarters, um, exchange um, you know, information on testing or, or really um, you know, to put in place a, a, a active framework that allows them to be effective should there be a Know, break out uh, to that to that part of Fiji. At the moment, we're quite lucky. Um, at the moment, uh, I think most of the cases, or all of the cases, are at the border. It's contained, and uh, we 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 haven't had COVID actually extend out from outside the western and the, the northern and the central division. So, the, for example, the eastern uh, the eastern division, the outer islands have have not had a single case of COVID being reported. In terms of the um, opportunities that are available um, through the use of um, digital technology obviously um, it, it is a resource it, it is it is a very important resource that the Ministry of Health um, um, has um, has used the social media for example um, um, to disseminate key information about COVID um, as, as the situation has been evolving uh, there's been a fair amount of um, um, releases live uh, press releases that have been um, done on their um, on their facebook page for example uh, complemented by uh, timely updates that's being issued on their website um, and also through the uh, uh, the broadcast uh, broadcast uh, services in fiji radio and television uh, from the bank's perspective, um, the bank has been involved in a number of initiatives uh, in the region, uh, which which has primarily focused or initially focused on um, creating um, infrastructure, so you know, submarine uh, cable systems. Um, in addition to that, the bank's being instrumental in uh, providing technical assistance and capacity building for the um, the policymakers, the regulators in the region as well. Uh, and in particular, in Fiji's case, uh, they were instrumental in uh, in uh, helping with the deregulation and then the establishment of the telecommunications regulator. Um, in terms of uh, further work, uh, now once you've got the infrastructure available, I think this, it, it's again a natural sort of progression uh, that uh, it's it, ICT services is not about just accessing, for example, emails or Facebook or TikTok. It has to grow on and be be used for productive purposes. Um, have people access government services online? Have people have the ability to 
use it for you know furthering their education so for e-health initiative e-education initiatives and and really look at how um, the platform could be used uh, to better economic prospects for for the people in the pacific so i think going for the emphasis uh, from the bank side is going to be in uh, involved in uh, um, looking at the work that it can uh, do around the region uh, with respect to um, creating digital platforms that uh, provide people with those opportunities um, it's going to focus on um, enabling the digital economy um, and uh, also i think uh, for for those uh, islands or for those countries that are still struggling with with connectivity it's about uh, extending the international connectivity and uh, then addressing the issue of connecting the unconnected to each other people in the rurals and um, the the um, the maritime areas to ensure that everyone has equal access to you know economic opportunities um, to better to have better prospects for the economic growth and reduction of poverty. Great. Thank you, Shivnesh, for your time. That was episode 93 of Goodwill Hunters from the Development Policy Centre. I'm your host, Rachel Mason-Nunn, and I'll see you next week.